0: Whether you're the casual hockey observer or the epitome of a Rapid Hawks fan, Blackhawks Live answers all your questions. It's just been a good sign this year that they all seem to be having fun getting along and working hard. I love those three things together. Joe Brand delivers the news, notes, and everyday gossip
1: from the Madhouse on Madison. Here's Joe Brand. Welcome in to another installment of Blackhawks Live. Blackhawks are one game past the All-Star break, falling to the Anaheim Ducks in overtime this last night at the United Center. But now we look forward and we look towards that looming trade deadline, which is oh so close, March 3rd, it's coming up, and there's only four home games left at the United Center, which means at the very most, possibly, possibly, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves will wear red Hawk sweaters for four more games, but we have no definitive answer of that just yet. However, we'll continue to follow it along each and every moment. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. Our number is 312 981 7200. If you'd like to call, if you'd like to text, we'd love to hear from you. We'll be giving away a Brew Pub pizza, lots of matzo pizza, again, from our friends over at Brew Pub Pizza. Uh, we also have more to get to. We're going to hear from Sam Lafferty, Luke Richardson, and Kevin Dean, the Blackhawks defensive coach who's in, in his first year here with the Hawks this season, but he's actually a former Blackhawk. He played with the team in the late 90s, um, has been around coaching defenses for a couple of different teams. He's been in the game for quite a long time and also just has uh, a lot of important opinions on a lot of important pieces on this Blackhawks roster for the short future, for the long term future, and for guys that are impacting the team right now. I also mentioned we're going to be hearing from Sam Lafferty. And why are we going to be hearing from Sam Lafferty? Because he is one of the guys that is being looked at by other teams and is being asked about by other teams right now to the Chicago Blackhawks. And if you remember, the Hawks acquired Sam Lafferty last season. It was Kyle Davidson's first move for a player when absorbing the general manager's role. Remember, the first move he actually made was letting go Jeremy Colleton and bringing in Derrick King. But the first player move that he made was sending Alex Nylander to Pittsburgh and acquiring Sam Lafferty. And when he did that, there really wasn't too much hubbub about who Sam Lafferty was as a player. It was kind of like, okay, who is this guy everyone's asking Questions from people in Pittsburgh of what type of player the Blackhawks just acquired, and it was kind of, it was very consistent. It was a hardworking guy, kind of a depth forward, uh, a guy that could use a scene change. Obviously, it was a more talented roster on Pittsburgh, and uh, Sam Lafferty wasn't given the same type of role, the same type of responsibilities with Pittsburgh that he would with the Blackhawks, and he took off right from the get-go. And we're talking about last season this year had a very good start once again, has been used in multiple different ways on multiple different lines. I think that's a big reason why Kyle Davidson acquired a guy like Sam Lafferty, and we'll get into that in just a moment, but also now it's just even more of a positive for the Hawks because he could possibly be a guy that they're able to flip, and I I know Sam Lafferty is really enjoying his time here in Chicago. I know he's really enjoying his role and his responsibility on this team because He's, uh, he's really being utilized, and he's really utilizing his time here with the Hawks. So earlier today, after practice, uh, Phil Thompson of the Chicago Tribune and I were chatting with Sam Lafferty just about what this whole year has meant to him, what it's been like uh, just thinking back to last season where he was with the Pittsburgh Penguins and also you know he's such a big important piece on this Hawks team right now what's it going to look like if those other guys do get moved like Patrick Kane like Jonathan Taves i mean Max Domi is a guy that was signed for a one year contract everyone was pretty much assuming that it'd be a pretty likely scenario for him to be trade bait based on the Hawks going into this first year of a rebuild. But something that this team has done so well this year is developed a really good locker room culture and keeping these guys motivated each and every day, whether it's morning skate, whether it's practice, uh, whether it's pregame activities. Everybody just seems to be buying in right now. So what's it going to look like when some of these team leaders, maybe some, maybe all, maybe none, but what's it going to look like if there is a shakeup in the roster Come trade deadline, and here's what Sam Lafferty had to say.
2: I don't think it's, I don't think we think about it like that. But you know, you know, going into a season, it, it's going to have to end at some point. So we, you know, we recognize, uh, you know, nothing's forever, and and we want to enjoy it while we have it. So we got a good thing here, and and we just want to make the most of it while we can. I know you haven't been here all that long, but what would? Someone like Kane or Taves uh, leaving for another team, you
0: know, just mean for this locker room, mean for this city.
2: I mean, those two, it's hard even to imagine, you know, they've been Chicago Blackhawks their entire career. So, not maybe the best answer, but I guess cross that bridge when we get there. We're just trying to be present and enjoy it and, and get better while we can here. Um, keep winning hockey games and, and um, you know whatever happens
1: happens How much of a confidence boost is it knowing that your name's floated around as possible trade scenarios? Yeah maybe a little bit it's a, it's a good thing I guess
2: that the teams are noticing and you know I, I just want to keep bringing energy and, and play, play the way I know I can play yeah at the end of the day that's, that's really all I can do and I think that's
1: uh, that builds my confidence more than anything having success on the ice Do you feel like a pretty different player, not even so much on the ice, just maybe mentally, even a year ago? It just seems like you were in a totally different situation with Pittsburgh. I mean, how how different is it when you look back to that time? Yeah, it's
2: uh, definitely a lot different. A lot's happened in a year. And, yeah, I think just getting a lot more opportunity builds your confidence. And we've been playing good hockey, you know, as of the last month, so... I think collectively
1: we just want to keep that going. I'm not trying to pry anything here, but I'm just curious if there's any dialogue between you and Kyle Davidson, maybe when you were first acquired over here, because you're kind of the first move that he had in that position, and obviously it's panned out well. Did, did he give any insight on what he liked about your game or what he wanted you to bring when you came over here? I think uh,
2: he just said high-energy hockey. That was uh, his expectation for me when I came to Chicago, and, you know, I hope to, to be able to bring that consistently and, um, you know, So far, it's it's been pretty good, and yeah, we just want to keep building while we can.
1: High-energy hockey. I think that's a a very important phrase, and I'll get into that in just a moment. We're going to hear from Luke Richardson talking about another guy like Sam Lafferty and uh, a little bit more on Seth Jones, who I really want to get into on this show. We'll hear from Luke Richardson about Seth Jones, and then later on Kevin Dean who uh, works with the defensive core here with the Blackhawks, about Seth Jones as well. You're listening to Blackhawks Live on 720 WGM.
3: When you look at the adjustment playing
2: with Patrick Kane, he plays a different style than most guys in the NHL. How is the adjustment in that area?
0: I just got to skate to open ice, I think. That's the biggest thing for me is uh, run my routes, and Kane will either find me or he'll find a a different option because I'm driving guys low and uh, late guys open up. That's the biggest thing. Slides all the way down into the duck in, in the near corner.
2: Puck giving up. Here's Dickinson in front. Shoots and scores! Three goals in his last three games for Jason Dickinson. He seems to have the hot stick of late. He gives the Hawks a 1-0 lead early in period number two.
1: Jason Dickinson with the right idea. And then he cashes in. That's John Weideman on the call. That was Jason Dickinson talking with John Weideman and Troy Murray During the first intermission of last night's game against the Anaheim Ducks, it was great to hear John Wideman back on play-by-play here on 720 WGN. By the way, you're listening to Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN, which is brought to you by Caesars Sportsbook. You bet, you get. Also, uh, pretty good timing of the Jason Dickinson segment and a great edit job by our producer Jack Heinrich as well because Jason Dickinson's goal got us a payout of plus 590 last night. Uh, If you don't know, before every game, we give you three picks regarding what we think could or might happen in a given Blackhawks game. And yes, I went one for three last night, but the one was a big one. A Jason Dickinson goal for a payout of plus 590. As John had mentioned, he had scored in three straight games. He was on the top line with Tyler Johnson and Patrick Kane. And it was actually Tyler Johnson with the primary assist on Jason Dickinson's goal right there. But Dickinson just doing the right thing of creating space and, and getting to the open ice so that Patrick Kane can send the puck to him. Troy Murray and I have talked about this a lot, how there is a Patrick Kane effect when guys who aren't normally used to playing with him on the same line sometimes always feel, I gotta get him the puck. I I gotta feed it to Kane. I, I gotta give Patrick Kane an opportunity to score a goal. And sometimes players click with Patrick Kane and sometimes they don't. Jason Dickinson has just been a guy that's that's basically clicked on absolutely everything. Uh, he's done well with Sam Lafferty. He's done well with Patrick Kane's line. He's he's been well on the wing, on the at center. He's just a multi-dimensional player. And another guy that Kyle Davidson acquired. Uh, The beginning of the season when moving Riley Stillman, and and just another piece that has turned out to be pretty big for the Hawks this year. So, again, I do think with the Sam Lafferty and Jason Dickinson moves, you have to keep an eye on those and remember that these are strategic moves by Kyle Davidson that might not matter so much now, and you're one of a rebuild, but man, are they paying off. And down the road, if you do get a very competitive team that's looking for a long playoff run, those depth moves absolutely matter. So hopefully that's a great sign of what's to come for the Hawks moving forward. But Luke Richardson went a little bit deeper about what Jason Dickinson has done well this year
0: you know Lafferty and Dickinson have had some chemistry early in the season and then you know both of them kind of lost it a little bit and we you know we had some line shuffling going on and you know we tried to get them back together but then with uh shuffling lines again especially with Taze being out I think it was a just thought we just thought we'd try it because we tried it the game before and there, there was a couple clicks on a few shifts and uh I think he's just realized he's getting opportunities making the most of it and and now he's feeling confident I think he could add maybe three goals last night like he's really playing well and he's and, and not just the scoring and the assists and the sheet uh but he looks like he's skating free uh strong on puck battles in the corners like you know same as Lafferty the both of them at the same time which is great to have guys down the middle playing at the high confidence level you know it, it just gives us a lot of uh possession of the puck and I, I think you know right from faceoffs. Uh, you know, all the way to down low play. I think we've had the puck uh, quite a bit more lately, so it's, uh, you know, worked better for us on the scoreboard.
1: So it's great to see guys like Jason Dickinson cashing in on the score sheet. But what about Seth Jones? I know I, I teased on social media about this uh, specific topic with Seth Jones getting a lot of criticism, especially after signing that long term contract or long term extension, I should say, with the Hawks about who he is as a defensive player. And we've had this conversation before about how the defensive position is a lot different than it has been in years past. And there's a lot more value in defensive players that can score. And even though I do think that is true and that is real, that's not going to be every single defenseman. And even though that may not be Seth Jones' forte, he has been showing a lot of offensive upside as of late. Right before the All Star break, he had eight straight, I, sh- I should say, four straight games with eight points. Uh, he picked up a goal in last night's game, and you're just starting to see more of a shoot first mentality stay consistent with Seth Jones. He's definitely been taking a-, a step up in his offensive game, and a lot of that is confidence. A lot of that is the team playing a little bit better as of late, but it's also just him finding himself in the right positioning, in in the right situations. And that was clearly evident in the goal he scored last night when he, Dickinson, and Patrick Kane uh, were coming down the ice. He's involved on that 3-1 and rush, and he's incorporating himself in the offense. And you don't want your defenseman to do that every single time, but it worked that time, and he was aware of that. And the whole play happened because of what he was able to do defensively on the other end of the ice. And Luke Richardson goes... Again, a little bit into greater detail about all that.
0: We showed one clip of him today that he kind of hung around the net. You know, we want our D to be in and then make maybe make our way out when when... The puck's on the, away from you, and you're not in that battle. Just him understanding you know, he's still a defenseman and he's got to kill plays. Even on the goal against, the second goal against, he did such a great play at killing that play. And unfortunately, going around the net, I thought, like I said last night, we could add a reverse there with help from our own teammates calling for it. But, you know, unlucky bounce, the guy got a stick on his stick, and we lost the puck, and, and it just snuck in. But that was just a great example of how he can close so quick, and he's got a strong stick and, and just end plays. Fortunately, we gave that one back to him, but it was just a, it's a, it's a good example of how he can be a great two way defenseman and a top defenseman. He's gotta be able to play defense first and then understand I think even in overtime when he made that play on that rush, he killed that play right in front of our net and took off of that puck and that's that's where he's gotta realize that's where the transition of from him being a good defenseman is to going to on the offense and when to go. And that was the time to go and he made a great play to Tyler and Tyler just missed the, the backdoor play but you know, I think he's he's starting to, to me, doesn't look like he's gassed all the time. And that's the key. If he's just racing up and down the ice all the time, which I saw at times earlier in the season, forcing the offense, um, I think he wears himself out. He doesn't look great defensively, and he's not producing offensively. I think you're in between. So I think playing good, strong defense, you're in good position. The way I think our forwards are tracking now, we're playing together and, and connected as a unit, a five-man unit. It lets him kill plays and join the offense connected and things are starting to happen
1: for. Him. On last night's broadcast, Troy Murray was using the word, not for using the words, I should say, not forcing things offensively. It just, it's starting to come a lot more naturally for Seth Jones. And again, that more of a shoot first mentality is implementing or being implemented in his game a lot more uh, naturally as well. we're gonna to talk to Kevin Dean after the news. he mentioned how Seth Jones has been working a lot on just his shot. I mean, I know that's just simple basic hockey practice, but I think it's it's totally being evident and, and I think it allows you to just be more confident when shooting the puck in situations where, We've seen the Hawks get way too fancy or get way too cute or, or try to make the perfect pass. But what they really need is just more pucks towards the net. And it's a very cliche hockey argument. But the more he does that and the more confident and comfortable he feels doing that, the more likely it is that other guys are going to be doing that as well. And I think Luke Richardson and Kevin Dean do a really good job of breaking down, you know, what to expect from your defensemen offensively. You want them to participate and pitch in, but obviously you can't rely on them. But there are situations where you can be a little bit more aggressive offensively. And I think, again, that goal by Jones and the near-overtime game-winning goal where he nearly set up Tyler Johnson are examples of that. And again, are examples of Seth Jones understanding where he needs to be offensively and where he needs to be defensively. And I think a lot of people were just really quick to judge him and uh, criticize him and bark about his game, but he has taken some very important big strides as of late, and hopefully that's only a glimpse of what's to come for Seth Jones moving forward because he is locked in here on this Blackhawks roster for quite some time. We've got more to get to. We're going to hear from Kevin Dean, former Blackhawk, current Blackhawks defensive coach. We'll talk to him about Chicago, the Hawks' defense, a few other things. David Jennings has your news next. You're listening to Blackhawks Live 720 WGN. Welcome back to Blackhawks Live on WGN Radio. We're talking with Blackhawks defensive coach Kevin Dean here. And Kevin, how was your break?
3: It was great. Um, I haven't been home a lot. I, you know, my family's still back in Boston area, so I got to spend about a week back there, and I didn't over schedule myself, so that was good to just kind of have some dinner with some friends and went and saw a couple of the kids uh, up at school where they go to school so I, uh, like I said, I didn't overbook so I was able to pace myself well.
1: Yeah, I kind of want to get into a little bit more of your background. You were mentioning your one son goes to UNH, that's where you're from Uh, but uh, Culver for you in in your high school days, did you have a military background growing up? What made you go there?
3: Not at all. Um, I played for the Madison Capitals growing up. I think they're still going pretty strong and um, our goalie had two brothers that had gone to Culver. Um, kind of the first wave of, uh, basically, I think the first team that they had there, they went down there with uh, Gary Souter. Oh, wow. So um, they all loved it, thought it was a great school, great program. So, um, like I said, he was my Bantam goalie. So he's like, well, let's go take a look at it. We went there. The campus is phenomenal. I don't know if you've ever been there. It was a really neat campus. So I went down there and uh, said, what the hell, give it a chance. And I went down there and really, really enjoyed it. Had a great time. I think it's a great place, a great school, and the hockey program is really good. Um, so it was just an all-around, I think, good decision. I was fortunate to be able to have the opportunity to do it.
1: Yeah, so you've got roots out east. You've got roots here in the Midwest. What, what do you associate yourself more with?
3: Which side? Uh, that's a good question. I uh, I think I'm going to you know live, for the most part, In the off-season, you know, in the rest of my life, probably out east more. Um, You know, my wife and I both have family in in Wisconsin, and we both love Wisconsin. Spend about three weeks there every summer up in Door County in northern Wisconsin. Um, So that's a really good question. My kids, you know, four kids, they're all kind of anchored out east, so I think it's going to be hard to pull them out of there. And they'll probably be getting jobs out there, hopefully, before too long. Um, So I think, you know, probably be living out in the Boston area in the off-season more than that. Well, not even just
1: Midwest. I mean, Chicago connections. You were a Black Hawk. What what has changed the most since when you were
3: here living on a daily basis? Uh, the downtown, like uh, where I live now, is really a, a block or two where I lived really? when I got traded here, and I think the whole area—I think they call it uh, Streeterville. Yeah, the whole area is just blown up. Like the the buildings are all new. Um, but I've always loved Chicago. My brother lived down here. He's eight years older than I am, so I'd come down and. We'd catch Cub games. We'd go to a Hawks game, um, just come down and visit. I've always loved Chicago. So it's good to be back. It's good to be near family and um, having a great, great time so far. Has the food changed or evolved since you were first here? Uh, I, well, that's a good question, too. I think I eat um, probably a little pickier than I was when I was <laughs> 18, 19, coming down and seeing my brother. Um, it's more expensive, I'll say that, <laughs> but... Uh, I think the food—the food's unreal. Like I, I live, you know, just on the river there, and I can walk to a million good restaurants any given time. So it's uh, the food's unreal. I just think that the, the downtown of Chicago is so neat, so vibrant, clean. Um, I think it's a great, great spot. Talk with Blackhawks defensive coach Kevin Dean here on Blackhawks Live.
1: Uh, we've had this conversation with actually a few defensemen already this year about how the position has changed over the years, and I don't know, may, maybe one of the more. Uh, one of the biggest differences in, in all of the hockey positions. How much, not so much has it changed in your eyes, how much has it changed in how you coach these guys? Because there's there's different kinds of defensemen nowadays.
3: Yeah, and I think every team, in order to be successful, um, has to have a mix of those, you know, stay-at-home defensemen that are good around the net, good off the rush, and big and heavy. And then they have to have a, a mix of a, one or two guys at least that can really move the puck, you know, run a power play. And push the pace. So, when I was playing, I, I don't know if that was the case as much. I, I think you you know, is a heavier defenseman, more defensive oriented. I cut my teeth in New Jersey, and we were very good defensively. We had big, strong guys that could all defend really well. Um, that's changed. I think uh, you know the speed of the game. You have to get the puck into the forwards' hands as quickly as possible. And I think it's important to have a, a good mix in the back end where you got guys that can really push push it up quickly. And then you have the guys, like I said, that are, you know, are kind of mean and nasty around the net and, and, and good in that area. So the, the the five-man offensive rotation, you know, whether it be off the rush, hitting a de- defenseman late, or just in-zone five-man rotation is so important now. Uh, it's too hard to create offense with just your forward, so you need those defensemen to contribute and, and be a part of the offense. I don't know if you have an answer to this question, but
1: do you find yourself sharpening uh, defensive players' skills more to what type of defensemen they are or trying to make them more multidimensional, more, more versatile?
3: Well, that's another good question, but I, I feel, you know, like you take Mitch, you know, if, he, if Mitch doesn't create offense and play to his strengths, I don't think he's probably going to play in the NHL because they'll find a bigger guy that's going to defend well and, you know, it's going to be bigger. So Mitch needs to make plays. So I think every player comes in... Whether it's Caleb Jones, Seth Jones, uh, you know, Murphy, Johnson, whatever it is, they, they, they've come, they have an identity as a hockey player, and I think they have to play to that identity, because they have to bring something to the table, you know, and, you know, like to me, Mitch needs to make plays to, to be effective, like I said, he, he defends well, it's not that he can't defend, um, and he'll need to defend well to play, but he will also need to make plays to, you know, to be a difference maker, to have a spot in the lineup. And I think every team, you kind of, you look around the league, there's guys that come into a team and they and they have to bring an element, right? And and I think, you know, as far as defensemen, bringing an offensive element is important. So when these kids come in, I say first and foremost, you know, you take Mitch, right? Like you're going to play to your strength, which is moving the puck, creating some offense. You have to do that. That, that can't change, but we will work on your defensive game and the areas of your weakness. Now you take a guy like Jerry Tenorti, who's awesome around the net and good off the rush and we're going to, you know, try to you know supplement his game with, you know, let's get a little bit better at the offensive blue line and a little quicker moving the puck or whatever it is. So you try to identify what the kids strengths are and make sure they don't deviate from that and then you try to, you know, supplement their deficiencies a little bit with a little extra work and hopefully, you know, you grow into a real complete player. To that point,
1: I, I feel like we're seeing Seth Jones maybe take a step in his offensive game as one of the Blackhawks' top defensemen. Uh, Luke Richardson said he's he's seeing him not be as gassed as much as he was at the beginning of the year. Troy Murray brought up he's not forcing things. What type of improvement or evolution have you seen in Seth Jones' offensive game?
3: Well, I, I think to your point, he's he's been more efficient with the puck. I don't think he's chasing the play as much. Like he's not, um, and I think some of that is our team has been better. Like, we're in closer games. Like, we're not two or three goals down like we were in the beginning of the year. Like, November December, it was a tough month or two for us, and Seth wants to make a difference, and he's such a great player that he can make a difference, so he's probably overexerting himself, trying to take some risks that aren't there. And now the games are a little tighter. Um, he's, uh, you know, a terrific player. He's a smart player. He understands he can't be running all over the ice, so he's managing his game. I think he's managing his game better to uh you know pick his spots a little bit more when to join the offense and create offense and when to just uh you know understand that you know I need a good defensive shift this this ship because we're winning by a game, right? So he's done a nice job of recognizing that and then um he's working on his shot. He's putting time in on his shot. Um you know I think he feels like he's missed the net a lot on some good looks this year. He's trying to hit the net more and last night was a good example. He, he, a real good shot. He hit the net you, got, you know, hits finds the back of the net, so he's he's just managing his game better, and you know, and I think he's getting that confidence that he doesn't need to chase every play down. He's going to have four or five good looks at the night, and you know, hopefully they'll he'll convert on a couple of them. A little bit more here with
1: Blackhawks defensive coach Kevin Dean. This is such a unique year for the organization, but a unique year for the coaching staff too. I mean, you guys are responsible for a lot of different things, but one of the biggest ones, and one of the things I think is working out the best for this team is, is keeping team morale up, keeping keeping guys motivated each and every game, even though you're one of a rebuild is a very difficult one. What do you think has been the key to that so far? Because these guys seem motivated, whether it's morning skate, practice, pregame, whatever it is.
3: Well, I think Luke. Uh, yeah. you know, Luke sets the tone, and uh, he's very even-keeled. He's um, a really good person. I think he sees the big picture, and I think you know that starts with Kyle as well, and Norm, and think management understands where we're at. Uh, Luke has certainly taken that torch and passed it along to the assistants of the players and I think everyone understands the situation we're in this year and so I, don't know, I, feel, I I personally feel like everyone in that room is lucky to be in the NHL. We all are lucky to play in the NHL, coach in the NHL, whatever it is. So you should enjoy it. Like, it's supposed to be fun and I think um, players respond better when they're having fun. I think they'll work harder when they're having fun and they'll play better, right? So you might as well make it a good, happy environment, um, and that doesn't mean it's not accountable. Um, I think that's a huge part of being successful and growing is holding players accountable, and Luke does, and we all do. But I think guys come to the rink if they want to get on the ice and practice because it's a you know a positive environment. They will improve, and you know it's. I think that's huge in a in a situation we're in. You know, getting negative is not going to help anybody. So uh, you know, why do it? Are you more of an even keel guy? Is it easier for you to mesh into that kind of vibe? I am. I'm. Uh, I, I've always said as a coach, I'm probably patholo- pathologically optimistic to a fault. Um, you know, I'm probably more too much encouragement sometimes. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I'm sure I'm whining and, and complaining back there too much. But uh, it's not difficult for me to be optimistic. Like I said, I feel like I'm lucky to be here and coaching in the NHL, and after playing in the NHL, so. I think every day is a bit of a gift, and I'll you know have fun doing it. I'll keep having fun. Thank you very much, Kevin. I appreciate it. Thank you. We'll have more Blackhawks Live coming up next, 720 WGN.
1: Our final stop of Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. The Hawks' next game will be Friday night at the United Center against the Arizona Coyotes. After that, they go on a four-game road trip up to Canada, taking on Winnipeg, Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa. There's only four games, uh, four home games, I should say, at the United Center this month of February and. With one of them already done, as we mentioned earlier, there are only four home games left before the trade deadline. So if indeed Patrick Kane and or Jonathan Taves get moved at the trade deadline, right before the trade deadline, or basically there's four home games left before March 3rd, um, that could be the most amount of home games left for Kane or Taves in a Hawks sweater. I should say a Red Hawks sweater. I don't think that... Uh, They're going to be wearing the red hawk sweater on the road. They did a couple times this year, but those are sometimes just unique circumstances when the other team is wearing the reverse retro jersey. Uh, We do still have a Lotsa Matza Brew Pub Pizza to give away uh, from our friends over at Lotsa Matza Pizza. Before we do that, though, I do want to uh, bring in our producer, Jack Heinrich, because I can't remember if it was last week, Jack, maybe a couple weeks back, probably a couple weeks back. We Mm -hmm. were talking about Happy Gilmore. Yep. And you had mentioned you'd never seen it. How old are you again? 26?
2: 25.
1: 25. Okay. Sorry for giving you a year. Uh, <laughs> so we gave you plenty of time to catch up and watch Happy Gilmore, and you succeeded. And uh, I'm curious about your review of Happy Gilmore.
2: Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think it was a couple weeks ago. I had a free night, watched it. Um, it was good. I mean, I saw, I see why everybody likes it. I mean, I just, for me, I don't really watch movies by myself, and then I normally watch sports games, so that's why I hadn't seen it yet, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, Mixed out hockey and golf, always good, and a lot of funny parts, and now I understand a lot more of those GIFs or GIFs or whatever people sending around from the movie.
1: I think that's the most telling part of you watching (laughs) the movie, is now you understand where the memes and and GIFs are coming from. That that speaks more than uh, any movie review I think we could get. Um, And I, I mentioned that you well. You did notice that his girlfriend in the in the movie is also the mom from Modern mm-hmm. Family. Yep. Um, did did you recognize uh, Shooter McGavin, the the guy that plays Shooter McGavin, at all? Uh, he
2: looked familiar. I'm not very good with actor names, but he looked familiar.
1: You know what's funny is he is he's still kind of milking that role. <laughs> um, I, I'm pro- I'm pretty sure it's probably his most prevalent role, um, but I know he does like a lot of golf outings. He's not that good of a golfer. But uh, clearly everyone wants a piece of Shooter McGavin when he's actually playing that role.
3: Yeah, who wouldn't? Um,
1: so I, I I don't know what type of trivia question I could do. So I, I did want to make it around Happy Gilmore because, again, our, our producer Jack Heinrich finally got to watch it. But <laughs> I'll pose this question out. And, again, if you know the answer, three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred, and you could win... A free lots of matzah pizza from our friends over at Brew Pub. We've talked about them multiple times before, but Brew Pub lots of matzah pizza coupons. Find your Brew Pub lots of matzah pizza in the frozen section of your local retailer. It's great stuff when you are looking for your next frozen pizza. I guarantee you. Guarantee you try lots of matzah. It's definitely crispier, and not just when it's done well done like how I like it. And I, I know that's more of a a, a clashing opinion that I've been receiving on social media, but give lots of matzo pizza a try from our friends over at Brew Pub. Okay, here's our trivia question. Who turned down the role of Shooter McGavin? Who turned down the role? Which actor turned down the role of Shooter McGavin? And because it could be a bit of a difficult question, I'll give you a hint. He was the lead role in Tin Cup. He turned down the role of Shooter McGavin and he was the lead role of Tin Cup. 312 981 7200. You got a call. You can't text for a lots of matzo pizza from our friends over at Brew Pub. We got a few moments before we take these calls in and, and just want to uh, dissect the Blackhawks game against the Ducks a little bit more. Even though it's it's one game after the All Star break, there's still a big chunk of this season to go. And there's also just, uh, just more to come in the next couple of weeks. And it, it's hard to really. Um, break down a team's performance in their first game back from the All-Star break. And, and you take on a team like the Anaheim Ducks, who were in their second game back. It was kind of a unique situation for them, too, because they were coming off a shootout loss to the Dallas Stars. So they had the luxury of playing one game and then going into their next game against the Hawks. But they uh, they actually had the ability to kind of get their legs underneath them Um, Let's go to Dawn in Crown Point, who's got the answer. Dawn, who turned down the role of Shooter McGavin in the movie Happy Gilmore?
3: It's got to be Kevin Costner.
1: It's got to be Kevin Costner, right? I'm sure you didn't know it until I gave the tin cup hint, right?
0: (laughs) Absolutely not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Dawn, are you a big Hawks fan? Hawks? Yes. Are you a big pizza fan? Absolutely absolutely had my little
3: malnati's last night
1: okay well have you tried lots of matzo yet
3: (laughs) i have not tried it
1: okay how do you like your pizza Don?
3: uh crispy on the bottom
1: and what about the top
3: uh cheese and sausage
1: okay well are you are you a (laughs) person are you a person that likes it Gooey and cheesy and and spread all about, or do you like it a little well done?
2: Oh, gooey, cheesy, all around.
1: All right, all right. Well, you had me until that. Just kidding, <laughs> Don. Thank you very much. Congratulations, and uh, you. enjoy your pizza. That's Don from Crown Point. Right. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Costner turned down the role of Shooter McGavin, and then later uh, was the lead actor in the movie Tin Cup. But uh, yeah, didn't know that until the other day as, uh, again, our own producer, Jack Heinrich, watching Happy Gilmore for the first time in his life. Uh, Big thanks to everyone else that called in. Sorry we couldn't get you. Uh, We'll be giving away more lots and lots of pizza next week here on Blackhawks Live. Uh, Again, the Hawks' next game is against Arizona at the United Center Friday night, 7.30 puck drop. We'll have the pregame show, the FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show, that is, at 7 o'clock, and then a four-game road trip for the Hawks up to Canada. It'll be interesting to see uh, the game against Arizona um, Hawks took that first game the last time the Coyotes were in town a two nothing win that was a, a Lucas Reichel very solid performance but uh, a game that you know the Blackhawks didn't absolutely dominate Arizona and I know the Coyotes and the Ducks are, are more in, involved in the same type of situation that the Hawks are right now but I think it's important to see how the Hawks perform in those types of games because we've talked a lot about how well they do against teams that are more talented than them. Uh, it's always kind of an interesting uh, competition scale to see when they take on teams like Anaheim and Arizona. That's going to do it for Blackhawks Live. A big thanks to Kevin Dean, a big thanks to the Blackhawks, to lots of pizza, to Caesar Sportsbook, and to uh, our producer Jack Heinrich. Again, Hawks are next home on Friday against Arizona. Our next Blackhawks Live will be next Monday on the 13th, Valentine's Day Eve. And uh, we'll talk to you Friday night from the United Center when the Hawks host Arizona.